more to me. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old-time hockey? Piss on old-time hockey! You're blowing it! And now, between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast, here's Art and Caleb. Should the Canucks trade up to get Jack Hughes? Shotgun Jake? Apparently, it's being talked about among Canucks players. The Stanley Cup playoffs continue. The Penguins and the Lightning both eliminated. Bunch of NHL coaching changes. You're listening to Between the Stammers. It's April 17th, a Wednesday here. Art Aronson here alongside my man, Caleb Kirby. We're back. Art, how are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Good, good, good. Yeah. Are you enjoying the NHL playoffs? I'm loving the NHL playoffs. <laughs> Actually, there's one series so far that I would say hasn't lived up to the rest of them. And for me, that's uh, Nashville-Dallas. Even the ones that uh, where there was just four games straight, just do- pure domination by the other team. Yeah, but like it's been exciting. Every other playoff series, f- for my viewing enjoyment, has been exciting. Like There's been a lot of emotion. Um, a lot of, you know, um, extracurricular stuff after mm-hmm. scrums. Mm-hmm. Heavy, heavy physical play. The pace has been really fast. But I don't know. I don't know. For some reason, that Nashville-Dallas um, <clears throat> series just isn't really clicking for me that much. Okay. Well, we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, since this is a Canucks podcast, let's start with some of the Canucks headlines this week and maybe talk about it a little bit about how Between the Stammers is going to run over the next little while. Just kind of what we're going to go with here as it is the off season for the Canucks. So yeah, we'll get into that, but let's, let's let us, let us first talk about uh, where the Canucks are going to be here. Uh, what the Canucks headlines are right now. Uh, a lot of talk this week about should the Canucks trade up to get Jack Hughes? Is this a like Daniel Sedin, Henrik Sedin type moment? Like, do we want, do we think the Canucks should do something drastic to get Quinn Hughes's brother? Well, what do you think? If a trade is there to be made, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I, I'm i not so sure a trade is there to be made. I've seen a lot of, like, different types of reactions and articles and all that sort of stuff, mostly on Twitter, of what people are offering up. And I just think it's too much. Like, it's not – I you put it really well. The onus on the leaders, the young players, the young core of this team, it's, it, the onus is on them to improve. Mm-hmm. But we've seen signs of improvement – in virtually every spot where we're at right now. And I don't think it's worth trading one of these young players at a gamble to try and get a guy like Jack Hughes. You're going to have to make a bundle mm-hmm. of players. You can't just trade one guy straight up for for this first overall pick. And positionally, like, to me anyways, I think the Canucks are pretty solid at center. So where what have you seen on the internet? I've like, seen everything, man. I've seen, like, Horvat, um, you know, like Horvat, Brock, second overall in the in like all this sort of stuff to try and get him like ludicrous deals Mm -hmm. like i don't i don't think you can trade i wouldn't trade anybody i wouldn't trade uh horvat um i wouldn't trade brock i wouldn't trade pd i wouldn't trade quinn obviously those are like the four guys that like to me i just don't think you can move and then everything around that, like all the other perimeter pieces, they're not going to want that for a guy like Hughes. Like Hughes is, he's going to be like a center for your team, like a, probably a number one center for, you know, your franchise for a really, really long time. So to me, I just don't see a deal there. Yeah. 
Uh, a lot of people have been bringing up Demco, <clears throat> trading Demco away because, uh, you know, New Jersey needs goaltending. So that seems to be like a, a piece that everybody's kind of throwing in there with it's like, you know, Horvat. Demko, Demko and our pick. Yeah, and right? our pick and a, like a second round pick. I've seen people throwing that sort of stuff in there too. That's and a I, lot. Like even to me, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying Hughes is going to be a bust because I don't think he's going to be, but like it's still you're you're trading for potential. Yeah, You're not trading for something that's proven. And when I look at a guy like Horvat, who's a center that has come in this league and has played in this league for five seasons now, who has improved upon himself every single year, I still think he has the potential to do that even more so. And he's the leader of this team. Like, I I just, I I can't see the Canucks wanting to move a guy like him. I understand the allure of this. Yeah. Like, let's go back to the 2000 2000 draft. And you had Henrik and Daniel Sedin sitting up there. The Canucks had the right to pick one of them. Yeah. They wanted to get both. They did something drastic, something very un-Canuck-like. And it panned out. It yeah. worked out in spades. Like, they got the two best players in that draft by a 100 country mile. Yeah. So, yes, the Canucks Canucks fans, uh, there's a good portion of Canucks fans that uh, they're not patient with yeah. the way things are going in Vancouver. They want to see drastic things. So, I do understand the lore of getting both the Hughes brothers and doing something to, like, you know, force the hand of this young team that that because that would that would just turn everything up on, you know, upside down kind of with yeah. the way this thing with the way things going are are going right now, which you can look at in a negative way or yeah. a positive way, I guess. <clears throat> right. So I understand that allure, but giving up that much is just like, it, yeah, yeah, and it's very, very risky. Very, very risky. Are you willing to take that risk? Some Canuck fans are. Sounds like you're not. Yeah, I'm I'm not really, and I don't think that Jersey is a team that wants some of the other pieces that we have. Like, you have to look at what New Jersey needs, mm-hmm. you know? And the Canucks, like, I'm not saying they have a surplus of, like, talent down the middle, but they got a pretty nice spine in Horvat, Petey, Gaudet, Right, potentially uh, Tyler Madden's going to step in at some po- point and be another center on this team who who's going to fit somewhere. Right, yeah. I mean, you could move maybe one of these guys to wing. Like that argument's always there to be made. But like Jack Hughes is a center. Mm-hmm. They're going to want if you're going to make a trade, they're going to want a center. The only kind of proven center that everybody's kind of looking at to get rid of is Horvat. Because Godet's not there yet. He doesn't really have the and value. nobody wants to trade You're PD. not trading Petey. Like, yeah. 100% not. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then the other positional needs that a team like New Jersey has is defense and goaltending. So this trade needs to make sense from that side for a team like New Jersey. And I just feel like the pieces that we have that we could lose are, are is too much. But, I mean, there's a lot of ways to... To slice it up. And and I get why people want Jack Hughes. Like, I totally get you it. You get that allure. Oh, yeah. I get that allure. But I, I still think that in this draft um, moving forward with where, with where the Canucks are drafting, we're going to get a good player. We're going to get a good player. And hopefully we'll draft a player that can, um, you know, kind of provide something that we're lacking in those needs. And to me, those needs are defense and net front presence. Yeah, because, I mean, you have to look at it like, you have to look at it like 
is Jack Hughes going to be that much better than the 10th overall pick? Maybe he is. Yeah. But he has to be that much better than the 10th overall pick, whoever the Canucks are going to take there, and what else you're giving up. So it's that's very, very risky. And usually usually trades in professional sports, it works out that you the best player is the winner in those trades. Yeah. The person who gets the best player. So, so I understand why people are interested in that. But, yeah, so... Canucks fans are usually very ludicrous with their trade ideas. Well, it's funny because it's it's like, I, I and I've been one hundred percent guilty of accusing this market for overvaluing players. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these trades that I'm seeing proposed on Twitter and even proposed by like members of the media, I think they're undervaluing some of these players at where they are, especially in their development. Like these these guys are still young; they're going to get better. Um, like Demko, like Bo Horvat, yeah. Right, yeah. like even though Bo's been in the league for five years, yeah. like he has come just such a long way, yeah. and I don't think he's done by any means. It would be some <clears throat> kind of drastic if the Canucks did this, and yeah. for whatever reason, I think that just kind of it teases Canucks fans a little bit. They like yeah. that. They like that idea. Yeah. You know, yeah. they like that idea of being different. It also brings me up to to think about like weaknesses with this management group, right? Like. I think Benning has done a pretty good job along with guys like Judd Brackett for their drafting so far. Like we've we've hit on some third rounders. Um, you know, like there's still development there and we've traded a few second round picks away, but like we've hit on some first rounders like Brock late. What a pick, right? I mean, getting Quinn Hughes at seven last year, he kind of fell into our lap, but like that's the guy you grab. Uh, PD as well. You know, the only one that a lot of people could argue is is U Levy, but we haven't really seen that pan out. And it's taken, I think the biggest argument against that pick is that it's taken too long to see what he's going to become, but he could still become a, a pretty good player. Has there been a moment over the past, I don't know, decade or I guess we can go back further in your Canucks fandom where you're looking at the draft and you're looking where the Canucks are about to pick and you'd like them to move up, like them to make a, a move. Because I can only think of one time when I look back now and be like, I wish they traded up to get this guy. And that was when the Canucks drafted Jake for Tan and, and I saw Leon Dreisaitl was on the board. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I wish they had gone to try. And and, and it's not like it could have happened, but I would have been like, it's so obvious Dreisaitl is the best player. Like, you could yeah. see it. You could really see it. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. actually. Like, that, that was one of those years that, like, it was like Reinhardt. Yeah. Was was he number no? I think he, he was, was second. Two. He number was number two. two. It yeah, was Ekblad was number one. Yeah, Reinhardt was number two. Drysaddle was number three. Yeah, and then who was number four? Del Cole. Ooh, was it Del Cole? I'd have to go back and look at. That Anyways, guy. yeah, yeah. There was like Bennett, Del Cole, Vertan, and like that was kind of of what was going on. I agree with you. That w- that would have been a year to try and make a splash, but like kind of what assets at Upper that point did yeah. that lets you. Open <laughs> Sorry, that what was assets on the did the Canucks have kind of at that point, right? I don't think they really had too much to try and make that splash. Yeah, and Edmonton was still a team that like probably wanted to hold on to that that pick. Um, so anyway, I I just I just you got to look at it in terms of value, I think, and that's does does the ends justify the means at that point? I w- I will say the point that you you I mean we're we're kind of talking about this yesterday. Um. I, I think you approached the draft from a pretty logical standpoint, like where you were saying 
like, yeah, I'm not usually hot to trot on any of these draft picks over anybody else because, you know, like I haven't seen them play too, too much hockey and you're not necessarily just going to go on somebody's scouting report or how they're, how they're ranked. Whereas a lot of people clamor at that, right? Like a lot of people look at that. They look at uh, the highlights of these players and everything. And that's, that's not necessarily doing your homework, but you do kind of fall for a player. And, and some of it's just conversations with other people in the market and, and seeing that type of thing and, and what you want. But like, you made a pretty good point just saying like over the last um, like pretty much as long as you're a Canucks fan, you were never really pining for anybody specifically at where we're drafting. Yeah. Whereas I ha- I have definitely done that. Yeah. And uh, like Matthew Kachuk, the year that uh, Calgary drafted Matthew Kachuk, the uh, right after we drafted you Levy, like yeah. that's the pick that I lament. More so than anything else. And I don't think, like I said, I don't think Levy's a bust, but it would just be so nice to have that type of player. Mm-hmm. And uh, moving forward with the Canucks' needs this year, from what I've been looking at like, and what I've been seeing, I think Boldy, like, if he's there, like, that's probably the guy who I'd like to, okay. to grab in the spot. Yeah, the way I look at drafts, and I don't consider myself a any sort of expert in this, I it's always in hindsight, always. Uh, and when I'm in the moment, I'm just like, it's very rare that I go, oh, I really wish we had taken that player over this player. It just mm-hmm. doesn't happen very often. Um, and that I and I and I told you that moment about Leon Dreisaitl, which that was that was one of the few moments in my Canuck fandom history where I was like, wow, I really wish we got that player over another yeah. player. He you seemed know? like a can't miss guy, and I think yeah. a big part of that was because you and I got to see him. In the dub, right? Like when he was playing with Kelowna there. We yeah, had to, and that was We got to see yeah. him just dominate the ice, and he was yeah. just clearly the best player. He looked like a man among boys. That's yeah. that's the way I looked at it. Uh, so it was Sam Bennett that was taken at four by Calgary, and then, then five Del was Del Cole. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the Canucks got Vertanen at six. So, yeah, this is all hindsight here, and we can we can be those guys. But I don't pretend to be an armchair GM when the draft comes like I just think that's a waste of time at that <clears throat> point I just got to hope for the best I think the Canucks have done enough to prove that they're pretty good at this like this regime like there's glaring weaknesses in other spots and yeah. like this isn't what I'm worried about with this this regime here like I'm okay with Benning going and doing what he does mm-hmm. I'm worried about how he's going to dump a couple contracts and if he's going to make a splash in free agency like that's my biggest concern mm-hmm. it would be really against the grain if he all of a sudden traded you know some of these young prospects they have to get that first overall pick maybe some people want that i would love to get jack hughes obviously but it's got to be for the price right price i'm not when i said yeah i'd love to get him if the trade's there the trade has to be there though it has yeah. to make sense on both sides for and sure does it make sense for the canucks right now i guess that can be argued to your black and blue in the face either way so yeah uh, let's move on to the other Canucks. This one's kind of fun. Uh, I guess Troy Stetcher was on TSN 1040 uh, today, I guess. And they asked him about the shotgun Jake movement. And apparently the players are aware of it. Of yeah. course they're aware of it. Yeah, Stetcher's been doing his rounds this week. He was he was on 650 the other day too. And uh, he's such a well-spoken guy. I love and what he's become. He was like, yeah. he was talking to the media about asking better questions. Which I love, right? Like, I mean, we're on this side of it, and, like, we have 
basically like full reign to criticize a player when he's not playing well and everything like that. So I kind of like that Troy was just being like, yeah, this is what you should ask. This is a better question to ask and critiquing us. And it's funny when a, a player is able to turn that back on the media. And I think he did it in a way that wasn't insulting at all. Like he was just very smart about it. But yeah. aside from that, like talking about the shotgun Jake movement, that's so cool. Like even the idea we like we talked about this so early in the season when when Jake was on that little bit of a run early about that celebration to pretend to crack his glove open and shotgun it. Mm-hmm. They were planning to do that if he got to twenty. Yeah, that's I, incredible. This is yeah, and I think it's funny, but it's also they like. You you get into a little bit of a gray area, like you're promoting drinking, you know, like it's a drug. And I understand why they got to be careful with that. But yeah. it is fun that they are, you know, talking about it because, you know, they're guys. We're guys. Yeah. Most of their most of the people watching the Canucks. You Beer know, and hockey, just like yeah. it's like. You know, yeah. apple pie and ice cream. Yeah. It just goes together. It's like beer and football. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's cool. I I think it's funny, and I I've never been a huge on the shotgun Jake movement. You know that I yeah. poo pooed it on this podcast. You did. Actually. I got uh, shit on for that <laughs> for doing this. Uh, um, but I I understand the movement, and I think it's I think it's fun. Okay, I think so it's the fun that the players are on it. Do you think he scores twenty next year for Tannen? I thought he was going to score 20 this year. So, yeah. yes, because if he can stay healthy, I think injuries were the only reason why he didn't score 20 this year. Yeah, I, I I think injuries and even, like, where he's playing. If he's playing third line and he gets you 20 goals, that's fucking amazing production. Yeah. It is. Um, I think he'll score 20 as well. Um, If he scores 20, will you shotgun your first shotgun, Jake? Mm. It's unlikely. It's unlikely. You don't have to do it the whole way to 20, but if he gets 20, will you do it? I'm a 32-year-old man. I don't need to be shotgunning beers. Okay. All right. <laughs> there it is, Art Aronson, party pooper. Yeah. Uh, maybe if he hits 30, how about that? If he hits 30? Yeah. I'm okay. A, I'll do it if he hits 30. Okay. Right here. You heard it here first on this podcast, and I'll do a video. I'll do it all up. Okay. Nice. Yeah, it'll probably be terrible, but yeah. I'll do it anyway. I'll take the video. Okay. Good. Um. So should we talk about what we're doing heading into summer here? Yeah, so obviously the Canucks I mean the draft will come and there'll be there'll be there'll be stories here and there to talk about the Vancouver Canucks, but for the most part it'll it'll be tough to fill up a whole podcast of stories. Yeah. So we've kind of been talking about how we're going to do that. Um I think we can get a little creative sometimes with just Canucks ideas. Um, articles and that sort of stuff to to keep it relevant and to definitely come out of the gate on this podcast with something Canucks related. But yeah, we're gonna get into some stuff here. We're gonna get into hockey stories, um, what's going on in these playoffs because this is like the best time of the year for sports. Period, in my opinion. I agree. Um, we're, we're probably gonna talk some NFL football some baseball, other sports, movies, It's going to be sports related. All that sort of stuff. For the most part, I yeah. think. We're still going to we're still going to be sports related, but yeah, we're going to maybe veer off the topic of the Canucks sometimes. Yeah, you're probably not getting a full hour of nothing but Canucks, but you're definitely still going to get some Canucks. Yeah. I like that. Okay. And I think and that it's really going to be a play by ear type moment. Yeah, so. and I mean, we're going to power through the summer here with with this sort of stuff. Um and yeah, we're we're gonna just play it by ear, 
it'll be fun. And, and you know, at the very least, I mean, the Canucks news starts ramping up again towards the end of August. So we're going to get into full swing again there. So, you know, like playoffs end when? Mid-June? No. We'll be around. We'll Don't be worry around. about it. Yeah. And Canucks fans are dramatic, so things will come up. You know that. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Canucks fans and media are very dramatic, so things will come up. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so on that note, let's move to the Stanley Cup playoffs because the first round is the best round. I think we can all say that. We all can agree on that. The players are fresh. They're they're going head first. Everybody's, you know, at zero now. No, you know, there's you can throw the standings out. It's a whole new season. And it's usually really fantastic. Unfortunately for two teams, they're already out of the playoffs. Man. <laughs> who saw this coming, okay? So the Tampa Bay Lightning, who had an a historic season, like one of the best seasons in NHL history. They went up 3-0 in the first in the first game, gave up that lead, and didn't weren't ahead again for the rest of the for the rest of their their first round series. Like how crazy is that? The Columbus Blue Jackets, who made some moves at the deadline that kind of raised people's eyebrows. They were like, okay, you're going after Duchesne. You know, you got they got Duchesne. They made moves that Zingle. made it seem like they would become, yeah, Zingle, that they'd become a contender. And I'd be like, are you sure? You're not even sure if you're going to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. which was kind of neat to see them buying and not selling. Yeah. Right? It was different. Everybody was wondering where they would go. It was a big risk to do what they did. And here it's paid off in spades. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like... No, yeah, you're right. Nobody saw Tampa Bay getting bounced in the first round, getting swept. Nobody saw that. Nobody saw that. If you said you saw that, you're lying through your teeth. There are, I didn't think Tampa Bay was going to win the cup, but I thought they were going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. I thought that was going to be Boston and Tampa Bay. Um, You got to give it to Torts, man. Like in this series, not pulling, and you said this, this last week after the first game, Sticking with Bobrovsky in that first game, not pulling him, coming back and winning that game. That's the turning point of this series. Like, that galvanized them as a group. And then it was just hot starts, good hitting, fucking amazing defense by, like, Wenberg, Wierenski, Seth Jones especially. Like, he was so impressive in this in this series. Braden Point is, like, a water bug for Tampa. Like, he's one of the best skaters in the league, I think. Like, I'd like to see him and McDavid have a race like two out of three and see if he wins one or maybe wins two. But like Seth Jones was keeping up with him. Like every time point was like turning, pivoting, coming back, like Seth Jones just had his body between point and the net and just completely neutralized him. This Columbus team, man, they can go far. Like they have the potential to do it. Bobrovsky's proving the haters wrong. And I'll admit, I was kind of one of the haters. I was like, yeah, in the playoffs, he sucks. He's not good enough. And, you know, he had a goals against average going into the, the playoffs this year of over three. Okay, let's right? get back to John Tortorella because this is, this, is, this, is this is quite the moment for him. This is, to me, it's his greatest moment since winning the Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. His old team here, it's quite a moment. So do you think this is his best achievement outside of that Stanley Cup? So far, win? yeah, 100%. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Here's Dude, the, the patience to not make that move. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Here's Tortsy uh, talking about the accomplishment of the Columbus Blue Jackets. 
I couldn't be happier for, I mean, that building. I, I, I've been fortunate enough to be in some pretty big games and loud buildings. Man, that building tonight, that was just unbelievable. So I am, I'm thrilled for not only the people that have followed the team, uh, but also the people in the organization here too. Uh, just, but just remember, uh, it's one round. And uh, we're thinking about other things as we go along here. But uh, I know that's a burden that's been here, not winning around in the organization. I'm thrilled for the people that have grinded through this and, and get to have a little bit of excitement here as we get ready to play our second round. So who do you give the credit to most for Columbus winning? The most? Yeah. I, like, I, do you give it to the GM for making those moves? Do you give it to Tortsy for not pulling Bobrovsky there? Uh, do you give it to, you know, Cam Atkinson? Who Cam Atkinson's been fantastic. He's been unreal. Yeah. yeah. Um, to Seth- well, Panarin's been great. Duchesne's been great. Yeah, Seth Jones. Like yeah. you just said there, yeah. Um, Every time the Lightning, like, scored, there was an answer. Every time yeah. there was an answer. Well, it's funny because we we had this type of discussion as well. And, and I think that for as much as what Yarmo Kekalainen did, making those moves yeah. for how well the players have been playing. There's always in a series, there's always a point where the tide turns. Like there always is. You can always boil it down to a finite point. And I think with what Torts did, because he easily could have pulled Bobrovsky. He easily could have said, that's it. That series could have changed 100%. And for him to stick with him and the team to come back, I think you got to give it to Torts and the team. Yeah with just how that happened, mm-hmm. and then that confidence that they gained. So I'm going to give it to those guys, even with what Kekalainen did. Um, it goes back, like, Stanley Cup Finals last year with uh, Washington and Vegas. The turning point in that series was a Holtby paddle save. Right. Right? I, I and In all these series, it just feels like there's that one moment that can just change the momentum. And to me, that's that was the moment in this series. So that's that's what you got to give it to. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time in NHL history, the first round sweep of a team that had the best record in the regular regular season. Yeah. Tampa Bay, which won its only Stanley Cup with Tortorella as the coach in 2004, tied an NHL record with 62 wins in the regular season. This is an embarrassment for Tampa Bay, right? 100%. And also, this series had John Tortorella's stank yeah. like all over it. Former coach, Stanley Cup winning coach for Tampa Bay. Former coach of the Rangers. And he, like, Girardi's playing, McDonough. Um, who else is, Dubinsky, Callahan? Like, that was like a core group. Yeah. Two guys on opposite, no, sorry, three on Tampa. Yeah. Dubinsky on Columbus. On Columbus, like, yeah. What a, like, roadmap of weirdness that all ties back to Tortorella. It all, it all does, yeah. He And that's why I just kind of think, like, the way this worked out was incredible for Torts. And he's going to remember this for the rest of his career, no matter, mm-hmm. you know, how far they go in this playoff. Uh, playoffs, it's he's going to remember it. Uh, on the other side, John Cooper, who signed an extension before the, before the playoffs started, again... Kind of an early bounce up for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's hear what he had to say. Like it's it's not unusual that a eight beats one anymore. Everybody's that close, and um, it was you know in the end it's just we couldn't just couldn't find our game. That was it? 
you know, it, it, it'd been with us all year, and for six days in April, we couldn't find it. And uh, it's unfortunate because, you know, it puts a blemish on what was uh, one hell of a regular season. He's right. It puts a huge blemish on this on this team. Where does Tampa Bay go from here, though? Like, how do they like? How do they respond in that in that locker room? Like, he was trying to go with positives there. He was going, yeah, there's parity. Anybody can beat anybody at this point. But his team ran rough shot over the NHL yeah. in the regular season, and but- here he is. In the playoffs, his team couldn't even get a lead after the first game. I like what our program director for 100.3 The Q said, though. Yeah. He said, the ghost of Steve Eiserman haunts this series. And that that gets me, like, I, he said it as a joke, and it's funny. It's just, like, him being him. Yeah. But one of the things that is interesting about that comment is Steve Eiserman is gone. Mm-hmm. This goes down. They get bounced from the first round. You don't think that new GM is chomping at the bit? to kind of, like, make some moves and put his own stamp on this team. I think we're going to see some moves. I don't, like, I don't know how drastic they'll be, but you can't just come back the ne- next season with the exact same template that you have. People will be pissed. Yeah. Um. Another thing, too, is Columbus was fighting, like, fighting to get into these playoffs for, you know, the last 10 games down the stretch. Fucking Tampa was on easy street. Columbus came in battle hardened, ready to go, and they took it to him. It was kind of like, I mean, the Canucks didn't get swept in 2012, but same thing with LA back then, right? LA was fighting to get in, fighting to get in, barely squeaked in, ran rough shot on the Canucks, and maybe that's the same reason. They're playing playoff hockey for a month before, while another team's, you know, not necessarily coasting, but they're on kind of an easier path. Yeah. Kucherov and Stamkos held the two points in this series. Yeah. Stamkos only had the one goal. Uh, Kucherov didn't score. Yeah, it's uh, and that's where you can point to right there. And Hedman being hurt as well, mm-hmm. it was tough for uh, Tampa Bay. But uh, to me, that falls on Stamkos a little more than Kucherov. I yeah. think. What do you think? Think so? I think it falls on Kucherov. Like that guy had it a historic year himself. He had almost 130 points this year. I think 128 points this year. Yeah. Like he like, and that's one of the best seasons in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And here he is, gets himself suspended for one of the games as well. Yeah. I, I, yes, it falls on Stamkos because maybe he's the, like, the leader of this team for however many years. But when you have a season like Kucherov did, you got you to gotta, like, show up a little more than this, yeah. man. And, yeah, that's full credit to the Varensky and the Jones and the Wenberg, you know, able to shut these, this high-powered offense down. Fucking Felino too, man. Like when you look at leaders on opposite sides, like Felino's the Columbus's captain. Samkos is the captain on the other side, and Felino was so noticeable in that series, like back checking, doing all the right things, playing like a really good two hundred foot game. I can't say the same for Samkos. There, like, there's massive times in that game in the in this series where he was just invisible. And even when they got into their altercation where, like, Stamkos kind of gave him a little cheap shot in behind the ref's head, like, Foligno just had that look in his eye where he's like, I'm going to kill you. Like, this isn't over. We're going to come in. We're going to f- just destroy you next game. Yeah. And, like, it, Col- Columbus just seemed to have way more fire. Foligno's a hell of a player. I've always liked Foligno. Yeah. And he's 100% a torts-type player. Yeah. Uh, you still play with the Ottawa Senators, eh? What happened there, Ottawa? You give up a player like that? Yeah. Not good. Uh, let's go to the other sweep, because the other sweep's like, I expected 
Pittsburgh and the New York Islanders series to be really good. I expected it to be good, but I don't think anybody predicted a sweep. Sidney Crosby's never been swept before. Yeah. Like, we're talking the great one of the greatest players in the history of the game and one of the best players in the NHL today mm-hmm. as the captain of that team that, you know, won back-to-back Stanley Cups, you know, until they lost last year. Like, that. that's stunning. That's almost as stunning as Tampa Bay losing. Is it not? It is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, well, especially the fashion that they lost. There was a couple games where they didn't even look like they were in it. That I think it was game three on Sunday morning. Like, Pittsburgh wasn't skating. The Islanders were just blowing by them. And, like, the Islanders play an amazing type of defensive hockey. It's it's defensive hockey, but it's not boring. And the way they break out of their zone, they always break out of their zone. They always break out with numbers. And they had Pittsburgh on their heels even with their breakouts. Like, Pittsburgh was giving them room to exit the zone. And it just it makes me think that Trotz is even a better coach than – Everybody has been giving him credit for Like, he's so good. Those zone exits, like we saw it last year with Washington when they were going to the Cup. They're just coming out with numbers, attacking, gaining the zone with numbers. Every time, like, there was, there was one point in that game, in Game 3, where Malkin came over the blue line with the puck, right? And he's coming in, there's two defenders there. And all of a sudden, two back checkers just close in on him. They make, like, a box around Malkin, completely isolate him, rush him off the puck, turn the puck around, go flying the other way. And it's just like, it's the best transition hockey I've seen from a team so far these playoffs. The Islanders were the worst defensive team in hockey last year. And they were near the top. Maybe one, maybe top two. I think top two finished, defensive Yeah, I think they teams. finished one, didn't they? They might have. They might have. Yeah. yeah, they absolutely might have. Uh, they're, you don't want to play against this team. Like, the no. way they're structured and... Uh, they're not fun to play against. Robin Leonard too is like dialed in. Yeah, yeah. I when I'm watching the series, I'm like, I'd rather have Leonard than Murray, man. Yeah, right. And that's that's pretty shocking. Uh, Crosby, zero zero goals yeah. in this series. He finally got his first point last night. Yeah, in the first period. That's crazy. Yeah, and it was just like Columbus every time that. The Penguins scored. There was an answer. Yeah. An answer from the Islanders, which is crazy. And you look at the Islanders. Yeah, they got Trotz, which is huge, obviously. He won the Stanley <laughs> Cup as the head coach of Washington last year. But you lost your best player, John Tavares. Yeah. And then, of course, and Matthew Barzal didn't have the greatest year. Like, yeah. he was, he had 23 less points this year. Yeah. He had a sophomore slump, I guess you want to call it. Uh and then to go well, in there and beat the Penguins? Eberle caught fire. Yeah. He had, like, goals in every game. Yeah. Um, and then Barzell played amazing. Brock Nelson was an absolute beast as well. That fourth line of Sezikis, Martin, and uh, Clutterbuck was just, like, constantly in Pittsburgh zone, giving them fits, just, like, rubbing them up against the walls and everything. Like, the Islanders look good. Yeah. They look good enough to to maybe make it into the, into the final. Like, they're, they're a piece of business, and they play well. And guys like Tom Kunockle, who I've lipped off before, like, he is, <laughs> he is a piece on this team that is playing really well and just been, like, a, a guy who fits a need. A third-line guy fits a need, comes out there, provides energy, keeps the puck, always stays on the attack. You know, like, yeah, they, they've looked just fantastic. I, I, I've always said I thought Nick Letty is – like one of the best skaters in the NHL. Yeah. And when you watch him like taking up all this ice and 
Uh, he's everywhere out yeah. there. He's a pleasure to watch. That young kid Taves, too? Yeah. Like, their D is just solid. And some of these players are, like, unknown guys, yeah. and they've just come to play. They look they look really, really good. Um, I also think that, um, like, moving forward with this Islanders team, we're going to, like, start hearing about some of these unknowns a lot more in just, like, the next two, three seasons. This is a coming out party for, for this defense, especially. Like, yeah. they they are really putting themselves on the map. Uh, let's get into some of the other series. Bruins-Leafs right now. Big game. We're recording this on a Wednesday. The Leafs and the Bruins will be playing uh, game four this evening in uh, in Toronto. Yep. So... The Leafs could go up 3-1 here. This is this is a big moment. The Bruins have to win this game. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think they have to win this game. I mean, um, I'm not going to call it a must win because yeah, it isn't, but yeah. and I hate it when guys do that. Yeah. David Amber did it the other night, and I was yeah. just like, <laughs> uh, Where do you see this one going? Because right now the top players for the Bruins have been shut down pretty good yeah. in this series so far, and the, the game is being played the way the Leafs want to play it. I'm not worried about it. I see, I see Boston winning tonight. This is only game three. Um, first game the Leafs had, and it was more wide open. And when it's wide open, like, quick transition hockey, the, the game favors the Leafs. Second game, Bruins were bashing. Bruins were running around, bashing guys, putting guys into the wall. I mean, Jake DeBrus completely got into Nazem Kadri's head. Nazem Kadri took, took a ridiculously stupid penalty, cross-checking him. And he's out for the, the rest of the, of the game. Yeah. yeah cost them the series um i think you know like maybe because of that second game win and because like of the physical toll that it took on the bruins they probably regressed took a little bit of a step back but i think they're going to come out with that style of play again tonight win that probably go back to boston win that i'm not worried i I still think the bruins have this series the only thing that um needs to happen for them to really take control of it is that top line needs to come alive Pasternak, I thought, had a horrible game four. Probably one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, if him, Marshan, and Bergeron could get going, it's a no-brainer for me. The Leafs, they've been hearing for the last little while, not little while, but years. How many years have they been hearing about the Bruins and how they can't beat the Bruins, right? So like Five years? Yeah, so this is, this, is a, this is a big moment, and this might be one of those slay-the-dragon-type moments for the Leafs. That Maybe. might happen. It might happen, so I wouldn't be shocked either way on this one, man. I'm I'm gonna say that right now. I, yeah. I I'm kind of cheering for the Bruins because we went to Boston in September, and I want to say that we're the good luck charm, and <laughs> I want to see that. And I don't really like the Leafs. I've never liked the Leafs. That's I mean, just me. So I don't really like either of these teams. And I I'm, I obviously we lost to the Bruins in 2011, yeah, which pisses me off. <laughs> but the Bruins, when they're playing at their best, play the style of hockey I love. I love it. It's like what it's the style of the hockey that I want the Canucks to play. Um, that being said, it's really hard to cheer for them because they are the Bruins. Yep. But I, I mean, the Leafs are the Leafs. I can't stand the Leafs. I can't stand the media coverage for the Leafs. <laughs> Even that's what makes me not like the Leafs. Delusional fans and the media, like every single sports center begins with a Leaf story. Even though the Canucks just won a game that night, they start with Austin Matthews having the sniffles. Yep. Like, it just totally puts me off that franchise completely. Yep, so, sure. I, I mean, it. I want to see the the Bruins win this. I don't want to see the Bruins win the Cup, but I think their team is good enough. Um, I'm kind of on, you know, I've always been a Carolina, Carolina guy. I, I enjoy that team. 
So, yeah, we'll see what happens here. Uh, other series, uh, Winnipeg-St. Louis. That was a big win for Winnipeg yeah, on Tuesday night to tie the series at two games apiece. They lost both games at home yeah. to St. Louis. Crazy. Bufflin, so, man. The home team hasn't won a game yet in this series. Bufflin is the guy that turned that series around for the for the Jets single-handedly. And and it's taken a page of the Joel, Joe Quenville playbook. Putting Bufflin up front, getting in Bennington's space. He did that. He rings one off of Bennington's mask to go in. He just totally got on his head. Bennington gives up six goals that game, tries to get his composure yesterday. Yeah. And Winnipeg, like... We've seen that a few times before yeah. here in Vancouver. Winnipeg had to win that game. Not, it wasn't a must win, but like, you know, like th- their backs were kind of against the wall there, and they did exactly what they should have done as a road team to do it. I also also want to give props to Mark Shifley, who yes. was spectacular in Game Four. Like he 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 scored that huge goal on the tip in, and then he set up the overtime winner too. Yeah. He was he was fantastic. Man, Biddington had no chance on that game tying goal. Yeah, that was a nice nice goal. Might have been one of the nicest goals of the playoffs. It so really far. was, really really. And you know what? The overtime goal was beautiful too. Yeah, from the breakout and Biddington didn't have a lot of chance on that one too because of. Uh, Shifley's just oof, wizardry. Kyle Connor and Patrick Liney too. Like for all the people that were um, going after Liney this season, just saying like, "Oh, he's in a slump. He's not doing anything." Like he's shut everybody up. He's playing really good hockey right now. And Kyle Connor's shot is incredible. It's fun. It's, that series it's is one fun. of the most underrated shots because yeah. St. Louis is playing well right now. They're playing well structured hockey. Their yeah. goaltender is playing well, even though he did get lit up in that. Game and both three. those teams are fucking huge. They are. Like, when you look at every other series, like, these guys are massive. Yeah. They're they're really, like, all the players are really big yeah. players. And Tarasenko is playing, like, at the top level of his game. And he's, I love him. I love watching that guy play. Yeah. I think he's really fantastic. I think he has one of the best shots in the league. It's like Marcus Naslin-esque. Like, yeah. that shot is really, really good. So who who do you like in the series? I mean, we're gonna talk I about this. I it. still like Winnipeg. Yeah, um, Bennington has to keep playing the way he's playing, even if um, St. Louis is gonna have a chance. And Bennington is playing well. Um, Hellebuck doesn't have to do as much, and I, I and if Hellebuck just keeps playing the way he's playing, which has been not bad, he's not playing poorly, but I think Winnipeg will win. Yeah, like it all. I think it all rests on Bennington's shoulders. How far? St. Louis is going to go here. Let's go to the another really interesting series. Let's go San Jose Vegas. San Jose's in serious trouble. They're down oh, they're three f- games <laughs> to one. Are they done? I think they're done. Yeah. What do you think? Well, yeah, I do. When I'm watching the series, and I see where the, you can kind of get a feel when you watch series for the most part, like who's going to win. You can feel when one team just has it. Vegas looks like the team that was running over teams in the playoffs last year. Like, you can just see it. You can see it building. And Mark Stone, who everybody knew that was the biggest pickup at the trade deadline, has delivered in spades. Dude, he might be the best winger in hockey right now. Like, 200-foot game-wise. He can score. Great checker. Leads the league in steals all the time. Always gets pucks off a guy's sticks. Turns the player on himself goes and sets something up. Like, he is an amazing, amazing player. I wish the Canucks had Mark Stone so bad. <laughs> um, and let's look at San Jose, though. Goaltending is an issue here, oh, which we massive. always knew it was an yeah. issue. But it is the biggest issue. <laughs> Except for when they play the Canucks. 
Yeah. Martin Jones is lights out. Yeah. Every time we play him. But Good yeah. North Vancouver guy. Yeah. Everywhere else, he's had struggles this year. And then they decide to throw in Dell, like, after the first period. I saw there's questions. People are throwing out the question right now. Who should they start in the next game? It's clear they have to start Martin Jones. It doesn't fucking matter. They're done. Yeah. They're toast. They're toast. And you know what? For as much shit as Martin Jones is getting... That defense is get fucking getting turnstiled. Fucking Brett Burns play. got absolutely yeah. turnstiled in that game on the third goal. Uh, I can't remember who who scored the goal. Oh, Theodore. Shea Theodore. Yeah. That goal where it, it was the second goal, actually. And that was when you're like, okay, Vegas is going to win this game. Like, they, Theodore went through everybody and right around Burns. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, this defense is in trouble. Eric Carlson on the first goal was the reason that Vegas went up there and scored in the first couple yeah. of minutes of the game. Dude, the thing, the scariest thing about Vegas is this, This like, I know there's been some physicality in this series. There's been a fight, like, between Kane and Reeves, but it doesn't look like it's been that hard for Vegas to do what they're doing. Like, it doesn't look like it's been a battle for them to be putting these pucks in the net. At the beginning of every period, they just seem to throw one in the net within the first two minutes. Like... I think when Vegas is done with the Sharks, which I think will probably be next game, they're going to get a little bit of rest going into the second round. I think they're going to be just as fresh for whoever they get to play in the second round, and that is fucking scary with how good Pacioretty, Stone, and Statsny have been. That line has been incredible. They're a fucking two-line team now. Like Remember last year, they were just one-line team, and Carlson, Marchessault, and Riley were just ridiculous last year. Yeah, But here... You have two lines now. They're more dangerous than they were last year. I know. That's crazy. Yeah. That is nuts. And Flurry. You got to give it to George George McPhee, though, <laughs> yeah. like for it to, to be able to pull this off in year two. Yeah. And they struggled at the beginning of this year. And it's so weird, too, right? Like, they gave up a guy like James Neal, and James Neal played well for them last year. He goes to Calgary. He doesn't really do anything. Yeah. And then they pick up Pacioretty. And then at the deadline, they pick up Stone, and it's just like this this second line that has come to be is fucking going off. It's not their second line anymore. Like, it's their first line, and they're just having, like, so much fun rolling over the Sharks. Yeah. Uh, let's move on because uh, we are running out of time here. The Calgary-Colorado. This is a series that, like, Calgary's the top seed yeah. in the Western Conference. And they're, they got their hands full with Colorado. Like, Colorado is kind of like uh, Columbus, right? They fought right to the very end. They were, in fact, Colorado's lucky to have made the playoffs. Are they not? Yep. And here they are. Nathan McKinnon is playing like Nathan McKinnon. They got this Cal McCarr guy who's come in, who's yep. come in, scored on his first shift. Yeah. Like, momentum is definitely on the side of the Avalanche, who are up 2-1 in this series. Yeah, and I think the Avalanche has a really good chance of winning. Did you see this coming at all? I stayed out. Okay, we both picked hockey pools, like playoff hockey pools. I didn't touch a player from either of these teams because I had no idea where this was going to go. Yeah, and a big reason why I didn't know where this was going to go was because of goaltending on both sides. Goaltending for both of these teams has been horribly consistent, and it's a major reason of where why Colorado was in the place that they were in, trying to get into the playoffs, and then um, Calgary had a guy like David Riddick who like picked up the load majorly midway through the season now they got smith in there again and smith played very well but he's mike smith he's you never know what you're gonna get with mike smith ever people calgary knows this that's why they're fucking panicking 
Yeah, when he gave up six goals there in that other game, everybody was like, Mike Smith is who we thought he was. Yeah. So I don't know. I still don't know who's going to win this series. All I know is one team has a guy like Goudreau. Another team has a guy like Nathan McKinnon. They're two of the funnest players in the NHL to watch, period. Mm -hmm. But who would I rather have on my team? Probably McKinnon. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau was the only player that I took from this series, and I'm I'm nervous about it. I'm I'm a Calgary fan. I'm nervous as well. Calgary is like they're very good everywhere. They're kind of like the Sharks that way, yeah. but it can all go to hell if the goaltender doesn't uh, pull his pull his duty. It just makes you wonder, like whoever wins this series moving forward, do you think they even have a chance in the second round against Vegas? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, and uh, and not to kind of backtrack a little bit, but. Marc-Andre Fleury, if he gets on a roll, he's one of the few goalies in hockey that can, can can steal, 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 steal. And we've seen it consistently in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, playoff steal games. And I kind of feel like Fleury's going in that direction. I do, too. Yeah, which is just really, really scary for anybody who's playing Vegas. Yeah. Uh, Vegas is so tough. Uh, let's just quickly go to the other uh, West Western Conference Series. Nashville-Dallas. That's the snooze fest. Why is it a snooze fest? It's just boring. It like I every game that I've watched, I've just been like, it doesn't have like the intensity that I'm looking for. They're they're playing fine. Nashville is playing fine. Dallas is playing okay. It's just it, I don't know. There's something that's not clicking for me for that series. Yeah. Just compared to all the other ones, like all the other ones just seem like they're at like level nine, level ten. This series just feels like it's at about, at about like a six. Which is weird because I've seen many series with Dallas in it that are very fun to watch. Yeah, uh, Ducks Dallas series I recall oh, a few years back was one of the best. That was series. unreal. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember what year that was. It was. I think that was like three or four years ago. Yeah, yeah, and that was yeah. I remember that and a lot of the same players for Dallas. So I don't quite understand what the uh, what's happened here yeah. in this series. I I've only watched one part of one game, so I can't. Yeah, I can't have a big say on what's going on there. Do you who do you who do you think's gonna take it in the end though? I think Nashville I, I don't know. I, this is another series that I just didn't even want to touch. Um Nashville's the better team on paper. Yeah, I took Nashville. I took quite a few Nashville players, right? so I'm a little worried. Well, Dallas is, or Preds are up to but, one. But Nashville has yeah. had trouble scoring goals all season. That's yeah. their power play's been one of the worst power plays in the league, which shouldn't happen for what they have. Right. I just feel like Pekka Rene is kind of like running out of real estate. Like this this Nashville team to me, I'm already wondering if they've peaked. He's like, he's kind of – maybe they're the New York Rangers from a few years ago, mm -hmm. right? Do you remember Henrik Lundqvist? They looked like they had a chance to win the Cup. They didn't that year. Yeah. They had opportunities even though because they had one of the best goaltenders in the league yeah. playing well, and then they kind of just teetered out, and that was it. Yeah. Is that where Nashville's at? I don't know. It could be. Their defense is just so good with – Yossi and Subban and Ellis, like, those guys give them a chance to win Ekholm every single night. Yeah, so, but, like, who's been the defensive star in that series? Heiskanen. Yeah, Heiskanen. Right. Wow, the rookie for Dallas. Yeah. He's fun to watch. If you guys haven't seen Heiskanen play, like, this guy is the real deal. Oh, I saw for him, sure. And the first time I really kind of paid attention to him was when he was in the All-Star game. Mm -hmm. I was like, who's this kid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I didn't really know too much about him. So he's a guy to look at. Uh, the last series, I, I chose this as the last one, even though it's in the Eastern Conference, Washington-Carolina. Washington's up 2-1 to one in this series. Carolina took it to them in the last game, though. Fucking dummied them. Yeah. 
Like, wasn't even close. And speaking of dummium, this is is the only reason why I chose this to be last, because I knew this would be a bit of a talking point. Everybody wants to talk about the Alex Ovechkin fight with Sveshnikov, the yep. rookie, who's also a Russian. Yes. Where, where, how did you see this one going? Where, like, where are you on this side? Because people are upset with fighting in the yeah. NHL. They're upset with Alex Ovechkin. Where, where are you on this? Um, it's funny. I actually just watched uh, the coach's corner on this. Like, it, it came out yesterday, and Don Cherry was talking about this. And I've never, like, I can't remember the last time I've agreed with every single thing Don Cherry has said in a coach's corner. It's been like 20 plus years where I've been like, he's, he's right. Like he, everything he said is how I feel about this sport. Hockey is a game where you have a fucking weapon. Does that weapon. bother you at all? It's, it's a game where you have a weapon in your hand, right? Until that weapon in your hand disappears and those knives on your feet go the way of the dodo, there's going to be, there's going to be fighting in this league. Svechnikov and Ovechkin in that game, they were kind of jawing at each other in front of the net. They were hacking. Both were hacking at each other. Svechnikov is the guy who invites Ovi to go. Ovi obliges. It's a guy who is, yeah, he's young, but he's the guy who instigated it. Ovi says, okay, I'll teach you a lesson. Sheds him with Svechnikov, completely fills him in. Like, Don't tug on Superman's cave. So Yeah, exactly. Svechnikov gets knocked out, falls down. That's fucking hockey, man. It, it sucks it, that he got injured. It's just a very scary moment with, with what we know about CTE and what we know about concussions. Uh, it was a scary moment because first the punch and then the head on the ice. So it was like two moments. And I think a lot of people want to bring that into it because of what we know about concussions. Is it necessary to have two guys punch each other during yes. a game Yes, of it hockey? is because it keeps the game honest. If there was no fighting in hockey there'd be a lot more stick work and there'd be worse injuries due to stick work. I don't know about like you, but like nothing gets me seeing red quicker than getting sticked in the balls. And it it happens. And when like, when it happens to me, I'll go a guy right away. When it happens to a teammate of mine, I'll go with that guy right away. It's chicken shit. Like stick work like that, that exists in this game. And without fighting guys will get away with it a lot more, but especially the, at the intensity where the playoffs is played. There's also an argument though, to be made that maybe the NHL and the officials should do more, put it in their hands more than the players hands. So the guys don't have to do this barbaric. No, you know this, and you probably agree with me on this. Svechnikov is the guy who, who picked the fight, yeah. right? You, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. He knew he has to know what he's doing when he's going into that. That's on him. That's on him and only him for going at a guy like Ovi. Who'd fight Ovi? His parents were Olympians, right? His parents were Olympians. He's a genetic freak. He's over 230 pounds of just pure muscle. Like, you've seen this guy truck guys for fucking years with hits, you know? And the hits that Ovi lays on guys have probably resulted in more CTE-related concussion problems than anything than that fight. There's a stat out there that talks about contact versus fighting, and it is like, I think it's like only 0.8 percentage of CTE-related problems and conditions result from fighting in the NHL. The rest is from contact. And I I completely, like, I understand how that works. If If you don't want the concussions in this game, you need to find a way to slow the game down or reduce some of the armor that these players are wearing. It's not a combat sport. That's why that's why people look at it and be like, is hockey really, or is fighting really necessary? It's played with a weapon. You keep saying that. It is. 
that's the argument. It's played with a weapon. It's why it's why fighting exists in lacrosse too. It's you're out there and you have a fucking weapon in your hand. Yeah. What about the enforcers that have been part of this game and they've died? Yeah. And people have died because of it. Is does that does that go into your line of thinking at all? You, thinking about what hap- what has happened in the past. Well, there are things that have happened in the past, but the game has changed. And the, we're going to see a documentary, uh, Bob Probert documentary yeah. as well on this. The game has changed so much already that enforcers, unless they can play the game, they're not playing. Right. Right? We still have enforcers in this game, but they're very skilled players. They're players who can play. Mm-hmm. This game allows contact. This game allows... This game is fundamentally built like with a stick in your hand. If someone these dies are points to this game in a fight, like what happens? Something like people say that's going to happen at some point, and it could very well. It happen. probably will at, happen. Yeah, but that's that's this game. It's the same as like NASCAR. If, if yeah, NASCAR crashes, D- Dale Earnhardt crashes happen. Yeah, you know you're playing baseball. Somebody hits a liner at a pitcher, hits him in the head. Yeah, same danger. All these sports have an element of danger to them. Even soccer, right? Like whichever. But those which, are chance. Which those everybody are chance, lifts off. Those are chances, uh, chance happenings. Whereas hockey is allowing their players to fight. You have That's, the, right. You have one hundred percent the ability to say no to a fight. Right. In the NHL, you have the ability to turn a fight down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's still ultimately up to these players to decide whether to go or not to go. I'm. Trying to play devil's advocate on I know this side. Because I do agree that intimidation is a part of hockey and will always be. Yeah. And as long as that's there and it's a sport where people hit each other. Yes. So if you're going to take, if you want to take the physicality out of it, then you can take fighting out of it. But do we want that in hockey? Well, you can't though because of how the game is played. Yeah. I, you just can't. Collisions are going to happen. I hate, I hate more than fighting. The thing I hate the most in hockey, and again, the responsibility is partly on the player, is watching a guy get hit up against the boards or charged or hit from behind or whatever. Part of it is on that player to not put themselves in a vulnerable position when going after a puck, right? The thing that bugs me the most, by far and away, that I see and I still see, and it happened to Pedersen this year, is getting hit and the fucking player's head recoils off the glass. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot stand that. But... Again, you know the risks you're 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 taking when you're playing the game, and you should know where you are on the ice when something like that is going to happen to you. Yeah, you always need to be ready. Keep your head up. Like it, it's that simple. And while I agree with you on all those things said, I do think the NHL needs to do more. They need to be more consistent with their crackdowns on these headshots. They need to be more. Cons- they need to lay. They'll lay the hammer on some guys when it needs to happen. Okay, so Joe Thornton right? Joe Thornton getting that one-game suspension for that headshot. Do you think that was enough? Probably not. You don't think so? Yeah. Okay. You now, thought it was enough. I thought it was enough. He, like, he came, he continued to play in the game. Right. It didn't result in an injury. Yeah. Joe Thornton. But that shouldn't matter. Joe Thornton, was, well, it does, though. Joe Thornton, I know it does, but Joe Thornton was a first-time offender. Like, all yeah. these types of things need to be taken into consideration. Yeah. Right? Whereas Nazem Kadri. Repeat offender. Like, every season he's played in, he's gone after a guy. Yeah. You know, but don't like, you think that if the NHL, like, laid down the boom on players who did that, yeah, maybe the game would change a little bit because guys would maybe go a little bit softer at times, but they do have to think about it before they lay that We're kick. seeing this type of boom laid down on guys. We've seen it in the past. We've seen it with Rafi Torres, right? That was what? But it's not consistent. That was what? Like, five, six years ago? Yeah, but it's still not consistent. 
the NHL, the way they hand down punishment. It's not, it it's, hasn't been consistent. It's not always consistent, yeah. but maybe that's the fact that you got fucking former goons running the NHL player safety board. Right. Which in and of itself is a completely different Chris discussion. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now you got George Peros in there. Yeah. Like, George Peros is a good player, and he knew it. Like, these players know, they understand the game fundamentally different at the NHL level than, like, guys like you and me. Like, we've never played in the show. Yeah. And there are codes, and there are different types of things that we don't know about that go on behind the scenes. Um, and, and really, like, I don't think, I think these playoffs have been called pretty good so far. So you think that the NHL doesn't have a problem? You think this is just the way it is? I'm not saying that. Uh, the problem with the NHL, like, if they really want to get serious about cracking down on concussions is they have to find a way to slow the game back down. Yeah. That's that's it to me because it's not just contact to the head. If you get absolutely smoked at center ice on a clean check, body to body, right, your whole, like, spinal cord and everything gets sent into shock. That sends a shock up to your brain. That's how CTE can happen. Yeah. Right? Um, Let's get one way to slow that down yeah. is maybe put the red line back in so guys can't be making two line uh, two line passes to guys in the middle with their heads down looking to take a pass and getting their heads yeah. fucking knocked off at a, a way faster speed than it would have been if they had the red line in. Yeah, there. we need that. We still need that in the game. We need that speed. It's been great. I know. The red line taking it's out. better. So it's tough. Yeah. 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 But we do need to get rid of the stage. And there hasn't been as many the staged fights. No, right? there hasn't been many yeah. at all. We can't have that in the game But anymore. that fight wasn't staged, that yeah. Ovechkin-Svechnikov no, thing. No, it wasn't. That was just purely yeah. out of, like, two yeah. guys' malice for each other in yeah. that moment. Yeah. I just find it very interesting that... Uh, well, not very interesting, but I find it, like, that's what we're talking about. Well, right now... Everybody's talking it's cause, about it. It's because it's Ovechkin, who is, like, yeah. a bona fide star and has been doing this for over a decade, yeah. fought a 19-year-old. Yeah. But the 19-year-old was the guy... Who who asked for it and yeah. fucking got what he asked for? Yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff, man. Uh, from from uh, we we're talking about instigating and we we're talking about uh, you know enforcers and stuff. I I just wanted to talk about this really quickly because it's it's on fire on the internet right now on Instagram on Twitter. Sean Avery, former New York Ranger. Enforcer. He's uh, he played for the LA Kings as well. Uh, he was an entertaining guy when he was in the league. He was entertaining. Yeah, and he pissed a lot of people off. He still is entertaining. He still is entertaining, and that's why we're talking about him <laughs> because he has an Instagram account where, if you haven't seen it, he phone like he's on a bike and he records himself picking fights with people who get in bike lanes. Well, he's not wrong though. Like. We were, we watched we watched this documentary on Sean Avery. It's not even a documentary. It's just like a kind of like a mini barstool video by the Spit and Chicklets guys. Paul Bissonette goes over to meet Sean Avery, um, go to his house, go around New York with him to prove to everybody that he's not an asshole. And I like what Sean Avery says right at the beginning. He's like, I just expect everybody on this planet to pull their fucking weight, <laughs> right? And he said it like that. Like, he's kind of a psycho, but, like... He's the, a psychopath. The way, the way he said that was just, like, him, like, being as sincere as he possibly could. And in these bike lane videos, there are people who are parking their vehicles in bike lanes while he's riding in the bike lane. And he's just asking them, being like, why Why do you think you can get away with this? So here's Sean Avery. Here's just a short example of one of the uh, conflicts he had with people <laughs> parking their vehicles in the bike lane. You're in the bike lane. 
Why can't you just park over here? You see the green paint here? That's the bike lane. I don't fucking care who you're waiting. Why don't you do it, wait on the other side? What are we supposed to do? Riding bikes. What the fuck are you going to do? You're going to get out of the car? No, you're not. Have some decency. Fucking asshole. I mean, he's not wrong, but maybe... You know, at some point, someone's going to fucking pull a Glock out and shoot him. You think so? Yeah. I think whoever tries to, like, accost Sean Avery, if something like this happens, is going to get absolutely dummied by him. Well, that's the next step. Someone's right? going to pick a fight with them. Yeah. Right? Well, he's kind of picking the fight a little bit. But, but like, like, the person shouldn't be in the fight, fight. lane. Yeah. Physical fight is yeah. what I'm saying. Right. It, anyway, it's hilarious as fuck. Uh, it should and, be a TV show. And here he, here he is. He got Biz Nasty, Paul Bissonette, who's... A funny fucking guy in himself. Yeah. A great personality. He's host of Split and Chicklets on uh, Barstool. And used to be teammates, I guess, with uh, with Sean Avery. That's what he, he said. Yeah, he said we used to be teammates. We used to Maybe have really conversations. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's in the minor somewhere, but he was teammates with Sean Avery at some point. Buddies with them. So he went and, if you haven't seen it, there's like a full hour documentary. It's unreal. On it's on sport. YouTube. It's unreal. It's <laughs> one of the funniest things you'll ever watch. It is unreal. And I, I, I tweeted right after. I was like, this just confirmed what I already knew. Sean Avery is indeed a psychopath. Yeah. He is. But in like an amazing way. He's just he's the a thinker, he though. He's, the a, world. he's a deep thinker. He just sees the world in... in in kind of like maybe a more pessimistic light than a lot of people see. Well, I mean, you know? he went off. You can about- tell he's a little OCD uh, involving something. There's there's a point in this video where he talks about r- rolling underneath his eyes to have like fresh eyes, and he's talking to like he's like, "Men, you need to look good for these ladies out there. He's- All of you are slobs." So he he opens up his his little makeup bag that he has. He pulls out like ten different types of eye roller. That's not. I did not expect that to go where it went. <laughs> I, I like I I I went my I went in with my eyes wide open in this thing this doc to watch this this feature or whatever it is whatever we want to call it yeah and I was like I did not see it going that way whatsoever and this feature goes in a million different ways Sean Avery is in a million different he goes in a million different ways his life goes in a million he's different a very ways. interesting guy and I would like to see more of it wouldn't he you? spends ten minutes talking about how guys should wash the bottom of their shoes yeah. would seriously you, would you not like to watch more of this. Of, yeah. like, more like Paul Bessonette and Sean Avery. Yeah. I hope Barstool hires them. Like, I would love to see this on a weekly basis. Yeah. And that's it what I like that about Barstool Sports. They are hockey fans there, and they know there's character in hockey, and they're willing to broadcast that character. Yeah. I like Man, that. There's that one point where t- Sean Avery's talking about this guy, this player, and they bleep out the name of the player, but the player ended up sleeping with, like, he was a billet, and he ended up sleeping with, like, the billet, Sean, like, who was yeah, taking okay. care of him. So Sean Avery is at this billet home, and no, no, no. His Sean Avery wasn't at the billet's home. He just was playing on a team. With I thought this they, guy. Were, I thought they were in the same home, and they no, were both. They he was were lipping. He was lipping this guy off for what he did because yeah. it was like the 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 guy was a billet at a hockey family's house. He ended up banging the the mom of the house. Yeah. And he's just like, what a scumbag. And and they were talking about the player, but they kept bleeping the name out. So, like, I just want to know this player <laughs> so bad. Player? Who's this player? Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't hold back any punches, old Sean Avery. I still love his 
and I was a huge Marty Broder fan. But when he called him Fatso, was yeah. that was the funniest, one of the funniest sound clips ever. Yeah. Fatso there wouldn't shake my hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's really all um, I got. I got one more thing. Yeah. And uh, it happened over the weekend. And we, we talked about it a little bit yesterday when there was a, a review call on uh, was a play potentially offside with a goal that got called back on the Blue Jackets Oh, yeah, Columbus had scored the third goal in the game, and it got called back. It was Atkinson who scored the goal, and John Cooper uh, went went after the ref saying that it was offside, and there was a replay, and it got called back. Yes. And it was borderline, I'll tell you that. It was borderline. Yeah. One, two things. One, if we're going to look at offsides in this league, put the fucking camera on the line. Don't have the camera off the side of the line. Did it... With the camera on the line, did the puck completely go over the line or not? Right? I think that's easy. NHL hasn't figured that out yet. They need to figure that out. On both lines. The goal line and on... Yes. And on the blue line. Yeah. On if, all the lines. If you're going to call off sides, which I don't think you should be able to review at all. Maybe technology is good it, enough for that yet. I don't no, know. It, 100%. Yet. <laughs> it, slows, it slows the game down to a grinding halt. What are you paying the linesman for? He's called the linesman. This is something that the linesman should just call in-game, and it should be up to him. I don't think we need need to review offsides in hockey at all. I hate it. I hate it, too. I hate it. Also, like, that is like the equivalent of reviewing a ball or a strike in baseball. It's, It's pretty much that close. Yeah. Like, we don't need to slow this game down at that point. Yeah. I shake my head every time we go into a review after a goal. Okay. I fucking hate it. So now we've made this point about the offside rule. It should it should fucking go. Either that or put the camera on the line. Yeah. The other thing that happened this weekend was the Women's World Championship in oh. Finland mm-hmm. in front of a home crowd championship game goes to overtime. Finland scores. Women go crazy. Everything's like flying off. Fans are going nuts. They review the call. Oh. The call takes 12 minutes. That's a nightmare. Completely slows everything down. They call the goal back on Finland, right? So now it's it overtime's going to keep on playing and they're playing against the the US team because they go and they they say it's goaltender interference. Right? Yeah. Which is subjective. And this is my problem with this. This it's is all the, subjective. This is the first time well, they're subjective and definitive, right? Like, definitive is if you have a... But if you slow something down long enough and look at it in five different angles... Yes. It's still subjective, well, if you ask but me. Art, here's the difference. Definitive. Did a puck go over a goal line? Yeah. If it did, it did. If it didn't, it didn't. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't argue that. Like, yeah. it, it's proof. Yeah. Subjective yeah. is... Was this person interfered with yeah. when we f- slowed it down frame by frame? What were the other subjective like, versus yeah, definitive? What were the other things yeah. that were happening while this happened? Did the go- did the D man push the player into the goalie? Did the goalie jump out of their crease and cause the problem themselves? This was a championship game. This was a championship game that went to overtime that got overturned. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've ever seen anything like this. Replay ruined this fucking tournament. That's going to happen in the Stanley Cup final. I know they like it's going to happen. Sports needs to wake up about this. Really, they need to wake up and be like, "Look what happened here and look what it did." Do you think the the Team USA was any was was very happy about the way that they won that game? Do you think in the years that go by, they're going to look back on this tournament and be proud that they won these fucking medals in a shootout after a goal gets called back on on Finland. Also, d- when this happened, 
when they made the call in overtime, they fucking call a penalty on U.S. for interference. The goaltender gets a penalty called on her. Yeah. So they call it goaltend. They call they call the playback for goaltender interference in overtime, right? Stating that it was goaltender interference, but they give the goaltender the penalty, mm-hmm. not the player for Finland who apparently caused the goaltender interference. So it's like. Anytime there's a goaltender interference call, it should be the player that caused it that got the penalty, not the player who jumped out and was interfered with. Like, it was a complete botch of everything. Yeah, it was bad. Yep, bad. And it's going to happen in a big-time game in the NHL. It's got to go. Something, something's going to happen. you got to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a real problem. Uh, we have gone way over time, so Sorry. we're not going to get into the NHL coaching changes. We'll get into that next, uh, maybe next podcast. Uh, McClellan getting signed by the LA Kings and... Former Vancouver Canuck boss, Elaine Vigneault, going to the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Caleb Kirby, where can we find you? At Kirbman23 on Twitter. Uh, you can email us at betweenthestammers at gmail.com. You can find me at Art Aronson on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening.